And welcome back to the Patriot Preacher Podcast. Once again, I'm with Brother Ethan Tate from the Tri-City School of Preaching. Uh, now we've done several podcasts together. I'm excited to say I'm excited to be here with Brother Ethan. And, and every time we talk about this idea of worldviews, I learn so much more. You know, As I was saying before the, the audio started there, that whenever you turn it on to me, whenever you turn it over to me when we're talking, I kind of, you know, I'm kind of so impressed by what you're saying, so I appreciate the work that you're doing here. And so we're going to be talking more today about the biblical view of the world. The biblical view of the world is where we started last pod- podcast. Uh, this is all under the topic of worldviews. And so this is why I come here, so we can talk about these particular topics and the importance of how people think why they think what they think or why they think how they think as it relates to the Bible. You know, it's very important that we get to the, the, the source of what we think about, what is relativism, what is humanism. Is what we believe important? Is what we believe important to God? I believe a study of worldviews can help answer a lot of those questions, and, and that's why I come here. Today we're going to be continuing this idea of a biblical worldview or a wor- uh, how the Bible views the world, I guess, would be a better way to describe it. Uh, where, where are we starting out today, Ethan? Well, in defense of how the world is just all jumbled up uh, everywhere, uh, I thought we could be encouraged by the words of Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, when the world is confused as to whether or not truth is absolute or that if God is the only way to heaven or if we can go to heaven through the means of different gods, I say that loosely, Um, what is the responsibility for Christians who make the claim, well, yeah, God is the only way you'll know truth, but uh, truth may not be obtainable through Scripture. Whoa, I don't know what your faith is built on, but let's see what Paul told Timothy. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, he would write, These things I write unto you, though I hope to come unto you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Now, as far as I know, <laughs> Paul has come to no one <laughs> in this day and age. So uh, what's Paul's encouragement to us? will be the church that God designed the church to be. Well, what, what is that? Well, if someone says that I'm a Christian, but I don't know if you can know truth, you're missing the whole purpose of the church. One of the intentions of the church is so that we could become on earth the pillar and the ground of truth. So if someone is seeking what is right in this life, we have faith, confidence, assurance, knowing that the message that we have is absolutely 100% the right thing. In fact, you look at Ephesians chapter 3, and you look at one of the purposes that God designed the, the, the church with the idea that it's the pillar and the ground of truth. Look at how God designed the church to be the vessel to share the message of the gospel with the world even before the world began. You look at uh, Ephesians 3 beginning in verse uh uh, eight. It would say to me, who am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me, this ability that God has given me. What is it? That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, he's not, he's not saying that you can't know them. 
He's just saying in and of yourself, you can't know these things unless if there was someone higher than you of more knowledge, more wisdom, understanding, giving this to you. And I'm not talking about a scholar. I'm talking about divine wisdom. He would say, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which was from the beginning uh, uh, of the ages, had been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. So once only God knew. But now, verse 10, to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? The church, to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. He would say in verse 12, he didn't just design this for the church to reveal to the world what truth is, but he would say also, you Christians, remember this, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Who's the him? Christ. And it's interesting, these principalities and and powers that he's talking about, he makes mention of this again in chapter 6. He would say, verse 12 of Ephesians 6, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What's he saying? We're not trying to fight against other people. There's enough of that in this world. What we're trying to work with are ideas, concepts, worldviews. And we're trying to bring to people what is the worldview that God wants everyone in the world to know and to be able to see and to be able to obtain and to see that as the right way. That's one of the purposes of the church, to reveal truth. But sadly, we have a lot of people in the church who aren't willing to, to do that, and then they compromise, and that is not that is not Bible Christianity. You know, a lot of verses come to mind when you were just talking and reading those scriptures. Uh, truth, the idea that truth is, as we talked about earlier, that truth is attainable and is it it, it exists outside of us. In other words, it's not relativistic. John chapter seventeen, sanctify sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I think we used this verse before, but I want to go back to it, something that Jeremiah said, and I can't believe that we're in the second podcast of this and haven't made mention of this verse, but I want to do it now. Jeremiah chapter 10, you, you probably knew where I was going, but let me get over there and I'll read it. It says here, it says, um, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Verse 24 is just as interesting. It says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. And so I take from those verses when I read those is the same that it applies to everybody. It's not the way of man is not in ourselves. We do not have the wisdom in and of ourselves to direct our own paths. And of course, We have to have someone outside of ourselves to correct us when we go astray. That in and of itself implies that there is an objective moral standard that we must live by, does it not? Absolutely. And and think about it this way. Um, When you were growing up, did you ever get in trouble? Like your 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 parents said, "Don't do this," and then you went ahead and did it. Never. You were perfect. (laughs) Oh my! All the time. (laughs) Well. Everybody gets in trouble. Why? Because they understand there are things that you don't do and there are 
things that you do. Um, but that's not saying that that's necessarily what God says do and don't do, but they had rules. Right. Now, it's interesting the Hebrew writer brings up this same analogy of respecting our parents, especially our fathers. And another way of saying father, in a sense, is whoever your caretaker was growing up. It's like Timothy. It makes mention of his mother and his grandmother who trained him in the faith. And we'll, we'll go to uh, uh, 2 Timothy 3 here in a moment. But in Hebrews chapter 12, it would say, uh, Consider him, consider him, consider Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now, he's saying there's all these things in the world that are kind of putting down people's faith. And in fact, you would read in verses 1 through 2 that we are to, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it says, who do we look to? We look to Jesus. He went through hostility against sinners against him. And he would say a little bit further on, verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then then you are illegitimate, not sons. If you just went through life and did whatever you want to, and that's considered right, and you weren't disciplined at all, it goes back to the principle of spare not the rod from a child. Why? Because there's a destructive path if a child is not corrected. But think about how many things we give in the hands of children today. You can determine your gender when you can't even speak, and you can't even think on your own. Um, you should be able to... Um, uh, not just gender, but you should act a lot older than what you actually are. We're expecting two-year-olds to think with the mentality of, of 12-year-olds, or excuse me, 24, 20, uh, let's be more mature, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Their mind hasn't fully matured. They don't even understand basic concepts. We're expecting children to be able to make choices as to what their career choice is going to be and uh, uh, how much money they're going to make and, and where, where they're going to go to college and things like that when they're just having a hard time trying to appreciate the rain in that mud puddle outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, the children are to be raised. They're to be guided, and that's how God had designed the family structure to be. Children need guidance, and it's interesting. We call ourselves children of God. Who do we consider ourselves to be guided by? I would hope it would be the Father who guides us. But the Hebrew writer makes this point. If we had fathers who chastened us and corrected us, and we paid them respect, verse 9, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and lived? For indeed, for a few days, they chastened us as if it seemed best to them. Parents tried to raise us the best they could, and they directed us in a way that they seemed fit for a proper life. Well, if we respected them, why would we not respect God who tries to guide us, not just for the physical betterment of ourselves, but spiritually to become pure, to become holy, to become righteous? Why would we despise a person who wants to do that? But then we turn around and say, oh, I hate God, but I love my parents. Man, they were great. They taught me uh, the best way to live, and they taught me what to do and what not to do. I love them so much, but I hate God. That doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense at all. And you brought a whole bunch of verses to mind. Of course, Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, being one of them. I can't remember Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, yeah, teaching their children. 
you know, I want to stick. I'll on get that. Deuteronomy four here in a moment. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, I want to talk about this in, for just a moment because you did bring out a lot of verses here in my mind, or a lot of ideas in my mind when we're talking about worldviews and what shapes the worldview of a child. Well, God took care of that all the way back in the beginning. I want to talk real quick about Deuteronomy chapter 6 where it says here, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So here we are introduced to the concept. Uh, as children, we're, we're getting ready to get into it. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might, which Jesus coincidentally said in Matthew 22 or 23, that that is the first and greatest commandment. And he goes on to say, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Why do you think it's important for parents to teach the idea to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might to your children whose worldview is going to be shaped in what you teach it? You think about that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it goes on to say, and it says here, it says, and these words I command thee, they shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them down on the posts of thy house and on thy gates." And so it sounds to me like that God's plan for the children and for the home, and, and of course, uh, you have to talk about this when you're dealing with worldviews because you have to look at where the, the previous generation's worldview came from and what are you passing along to the next generation. You know, When I think about my children, uh, what am I passing along to them? What kind of worldview am I passing along compared to what God expects me to pass along to them. You got some verses for us? Absolutely. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, there's actually a couple of um, verses to take into consideration. Um, he would say in Deuteronomy 4, verse 7, and then I'll read another passage and make a couple comments on that because we're, we're pretty torn on that topic. Uh, God would say to the children of Israel, Deuteronomy 4, 7, For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, for whatever reason we may call upon him. Who else has this privilege to be able to call on God and God hears them? It's God's people. It's those who are righteous. No nation that rejects God can call upon him, right? Absolutely. God doesn't hear the prayers of the unrighteous, but rather he listens to those who are righteous. He would say, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments? as are in all this law which I set before you this day. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And this is key, teach them to your children and your grandchildren. And then he would say, especially those times that you came before me at Mount Horeb, when you saw the, the fire coming down and the voice of God spoke to you coming from the mountain, and it's interesting afterwards, he would say, take heed, uh, verse 23, take heed to yourselves, lest you also forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you and made for yourselves a card, car, and you made for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God hath forbidden you. 
For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call to heaven and earth this day to witness against you that you will, so, that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over Jordan to per- possess you will not prolong it in your days and you will be utterly destroyed Moses said there's going to be a consequence if you don't continue teaching righteous things and it's interesting um, even the Bible would talk about um, I want to say it's through Proverbs a nation that exalts itself that is not righteous before God will be destroyed a righteous nation that seeks God will be exalted. It's the same thing with the individual. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God uh, in due time, he will exalt you. First Peter chapter 5, 6, and 7. Because he cares for those who are struggling, those who are going through trials, those who have hardships. But the only way that the God's word is going to continue being passed along is if we have Godly moral principles being shared and being taught. It's a lot harder, I'm finding, to be able to instruct uh, teens who have made up their minds. And I've heard someone say, teenagers are God's gift to mankind so that uh, man may know whenever God says, oh, I don't, I don't believe in you. Would you just go away when they say that to their parents? Uh, you're ruining my life. Well, that's interesting. We have a lot of adults saying that same thing to God. You're ruining my life. Well, we're just a bunch of teenagers in the eyes of God sometimes. Um, but it's because we don't understand and we're immature at times. And we're not actually looking at ourselves as the problem. We think that everybody else is the problem. However, you look at Matthew 7, judging righteous judgment. What is that? Well, you've got to consider that there are times you're going to have a plank in your eye, and then you're criticizing someone else where it's really not, it's not a big deal for them. But you're suffering through that issue, but you're not willing to address it. That's the problem we have with the worldviews here in America. We are denying the very thing that is actually righteous, that is actually pure, that is holy, that is godly, and because of such, we are becoming morally corrupt. And it's interesting you would bring up children, and then we'll, we'll kind of tie all this back to the church. Um, there are a lot of families where one parent, and or even sometimes neither parent, it might be the grandparents, um, children have certain godly influences to Christians, but then think about a divided household. Will it ever stand? Well, when Jesus was accused of casting out demons in the spirit of Beelzebub, Jesus would say, can a kingdom divided against itself stand? No, no, no it can't. That's, that's logic. Well, what about a family where one person is trying to raise their children to love God, to keep his commands, to do the right thing, to love the Bible, to study the Bible, to pray to God and keep him first and always, seek the, seek the kingdom of God, Matthew 6. Well, what if one parent doesn't do that and says, well, it's not going to make a difference if you take them to church and I don't, or if you teach them to pray and I don't? Yes, it does. It matters everything. Because a house divided against God, guess what? It will not work. It will not stand. And what's sad is, is um, I forget the verse, you might be able to help me, uh, evil companions. Um, corrupt good morals. Yeah, um, or even good manners. Sometimes parents are the worst enemies to their children 
because they don't even know what's right. And guess what? They're teaching their children how to not love God, how to put God's second. children anger, Ephesians chapter 6, right? Yeah, Yeah. And, and, and the concept is when we're training our children in the world, and I don't have kids, which it, it, it kind of makes me even more frustrated because it's like, ah, come on, do it right. But then I think about what I would I actually do the same thing they're doing. Well, I pray that would not be the case. Um, but just because I see it doesn't mean that I shouldn't say anything about it because I'm not there. Paul gave us a lot of things through Scripture. He was not married, but he gave a lot of commands on marriage. He gave a lot of commands about raising children and how the husband should love the wife and the wife should love the husband. And he did all these things for the betterment of the family, especially the family of God. Um, We need those examples for guidance, for strength. But we need fathers just as much as mothers, just as much as grandparents, cousins, brothers, sisters. We just need more godly, God-fearing family members. We we need more God-fearing souls in America. With a Christian worldview. Yeah, yeah, with a Christian (laughs) worldview. And not just one who acknowledges the Bible, but like James 1 would say, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. That's right. I was going to read this passage out of the book of Judges to kind of illustrate uh, what you're talking about here. You've heard of the four-generation fade. Uh, yes. that we, we see those posts on Facebook all the time, but I want to illustrate it here using Scripture. It says here, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun, this is out of Judges chapter 2. Right. What we're talking about here is a, I guess it's a, it would be classified as a change in worldview. It's 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 a dissension. It's going from a theistic, godly worldview down to something that it's that that's not. Anything you know that takes you away from God is not a godly worldview. But it says here, it says, and Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. Now you can read about how faithful they were while Joshua was alive. And we're going to read that. It says, And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gaash. And also that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Folks, we're talking about generations, worldviews, how they are affected by the absence of God. This is what is going on in Judges. It's what's going on in America even right now. Now listen to what it says. After them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What works did God do for Israel? Go back and read in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 through Exodus chapter 12. What happened? Great, mighty, wonderful works. When you think about this country, how it was founded, the biblical principles that they used. What happened between now, uh, then and now, you see the, the the generations as it goes on and these worldviews that are not biblical creep in until what we have now. But listen to what it says here. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? They forsook the Lord God of, the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord and worshipped Baal and Ashtaroth. Folks, I contend, Ethan, I contend, this is what's going on right now in this country. 
Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And just kind of like a final word of, of admonition. So it kind of started with the, the church is a lot of people have failed. They've compromised in their faith. In fact, you look at First Timothy chapter 1, I believe it's verse 16 and following. I think about verse 19, it would say something about Hymenaeus and Alexander have made shipwreck their faith. Uh, they've, they've left what is righteous and what is pure. Demas. It's, yeah, Demas forsook Paul, loving this present world. We have a lot of Christians doing the same thing because they're simply afraid to stand for truth. Friends, you look through Scripture And those are the people who are actually exalted by God for taking a stand for what's right. And if we think that's not our responsibility, think of Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16. It would say, It came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth, and I give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, his eternal destination. That same, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but the blood, his blood I will require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked and turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul." That same responsibility is held for the church. When you compromise truth, you have not only compromised the souls of others around you, because now you have become a terrible influence. You have compromised your soul. When you are a mother and a father and you're not training your child to love God because that is the quiver or that is the arrow that God has placed and blessed within your quiver, you are going to be held accountable for that. But if you are striving to raise up your children the way you ought to, if we're being the church that we ought to be, and we are warning people in love, in admonition for, for compassion for their soul, to seek and save the lost just like our Lord did, then if, even if they reject it, that's not held to our account. That's up to them. It's the soul that sins. It shall die. Ezekiel 18. Absolutely. Let's strive to be the generation that strives for absolute truth, not because of what I desire, which we'll talk about in the next podcast, but rather what God desires, and that's what I desire to be. Amen. So you're listening to the Patriot Preacher Podcast. I'm here with Brother Ethan Tate. I want to thank Ethan once again for his time. I want to thank you for your time, for tuning in and listening. I hope you find it enjoyable. I hope you find it informative. If you do, hit the like button. Thank you guys for tuning in. God bless you all, and join us again next week. Thank you.